Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. So here's a shocker for you guys today. Hiring good people is apparently hard. Or is it? So maybe we can just make it hard on ourselves because we make compromises based on need. Uh, today, we're going to talk to a guest who is going to share his hiring journey with us, one startup who actually managed to beat the odds and have a solid team. Today's quote, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. Any idea who said that? I'm going to take a wild guess. Is it Winston Churchill? Boom. That is on point. We are correct. We got a winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> All right. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We identify a specific problem, provide proven solutions to help you win the hire. So we share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Andre Berengian. He is the co-founder and CEO of C Digital Labs. Mm -hmm. With more than 20 years of experience in steering corporate and product strategy, Andre is an accomplished entrepreneur, technologist, and investor, passionate about driving progress through digital innovation. At C, Berengian is uh, responsible for building a world-class execution-focused team and growing C's digital transformation ideas into sustainable, profitable companies. Andre, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to cover what really makes hiring hard, and we're going to talk about how we can make it easier. We're going to keep it simple. What do you think? Easy. Does that roll? Easy. <laughs> All right. So when we talked on the phone a few days ago, you said something to me that actually sparked this whole thought process, which was, an organism rejects the thing that doesn't belong. Yeah. You quote. And I love that. So I want to explore that because that's actually something that I think most of the entrepreneurs and the audience actually need to be reminded about. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that. Well, what I meant by that was, um, you know, if you look at the things that we look for when we're hiring folks, I don't think any of them will surprise you, right? Yeah. So we look at skill set, of course. Do you have the skills for that particular role? We spend a lot of time looking at cultural fit. And the cultural fit part is really important. And that's what I meant when I said the organism uh, rejects the thing that doesn't belong. And we've had that in the past where folks come in and, you know, they're just different, but not different in a good way, different in a way where it just doesn't mesh with the way that everyone else works and everyone else behaves. And so very quickly, you can tell that there's all these folks here that are executing and hitting on all cylinders. And then there's this thing over here, this person over here that doesn't quite mesh. Sure. And so what we try to do as much as we can is, of course, test for the skill set. You got to make sure that engineers can code and marketers can market, but also just make sure that the way that they behave and perform and and, and, and function really fits in with what every the way that everybody else um, is kind of works and functions. Yeah, absolutely. So how long did it take you to realize that when you're a young entrepreneur, you yeah. don't realize that you have you have a job that needs to be done and you have a body that's willing to do the work? Yeah. At what point did that kick in where like, maybe I should start looking at cultural fit? Um, I mean, a long time ago, I've been in the startup world for a very long time. And yeah. in the early days, it's exactly what you said. Okay, I need to, here's a task, here's a person, go. And then what we find is that technically speaking, the person could do the task, but in terms of having a cohesive function with everybody else, it wasn't working. And so we found that out very, very early in my career and have taken that as a learning uh, uh, lesson all the way through the rest of uh, rest of my career. 
So the skills are important, but the Absolutely. cultural value is even more important. I think so. You know, you know who's a key driver of that is Amazon. Yeah. Amazon interviews and 80% of the hiring decision is based on whether or not you fit their core corporate values, yeah. right? That's right. They're, they're uh, leadership principles. That's, that's right. What they call them. Yeah. Uh, most entrepreneurs really need to start thinking about what do I want my culture to be like yeah. or what meshing yeah. what the actual culture is as yeah. opposed to what they want it to be. That's right. Yeah. So how do we truly interview? Like, what are you looking for when you're interviewing or hiring culture? You had to question that yourself, right? Right. So what was the what was the process for doing that? What we do on the culture side is so so we we try to look at it in parallel. So we um, have folks that will look at skill set from a technical perspective, and then we will have folks that are maybe not necessarily within that functional group. So let's say it's an engineer that uh, somebody who's outside of engineering or a group of people that are outside of engineering that would also interact with the person and look for things like just the, the cultural fit, right? Is, is, is it, would I be able to work with this person and try to assess that ability to collaborate? Because no one works in an isolated uh, silo. Everyone works as a team. And so I can't just assess that my engineering team thinks that this one particular person is a good engineer and good cultural fit. It has to be really assessed across all the functional areas. And that's a really key thing. So a lot of people just don't realize that. When did you realize that I don't need to compartmentalize different departments, but really Hey, look at we need to we need to make this a cross functional. Well, we realized that that when we did it the other way and, and it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. So um, that, that's that's how we realized it. But but if you look at it, there's very few, at least in our companies, there's very few roles that are isolated to sit at your desk and just work. Everybody somehow, some shape, form is engaging and interacting with other folks on the team. And so it's really important to make sure that that interaction is positive and accretive so that one plus one equals seven versus one plus one equals just one. A cohesive team is going to outperform an individual all day long, three to all one day long, day long right? Just, just like a sports team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's talk about pain points because a lot of companies are trying to hire right now. It, there's a talent shortage. Yeah. What are you guys doing differently, you know, to, to attract people? Um, not the, in the interview process, but like just to get people. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, so, uh, so the, the C headquarters is here in, uh, in Orange County, it's in Irvine. And, um, one of the things that we've been doing is trying to firstly explain why this is a great environment to be in. Um, there's a lot of talent that comes to us from outside the area. And so of course there's folks locally and we can get to them more easily, but the folks that come from outside the area, so Northern California, other places, East coast, et cetera. And we explain to them why it's, it's fantastic. And I, my, my head of ops and, and the whole recruiting team does a great job. We just had a meme that we put up on, um, on social media, LinkedIn and so on that showed the difference between San Francisco and Irvine. And we well, talked about buy a house in Irvine. We, well, yeah, we talked about population. <laughs> yeah. We talked about things like, like, like exactly how expensive it is, uh, cost of living. And then the, you know, kind of in a funny element, we talked about the fact that in Irvine, you don't need a poop app to, uh, to, to track. I don't know if you know, in San Francisco, yeah. they have an app to basically yeah. make sure you know where all the th- things are that you don't want to step on throughout the city. Oh and so God, yeah. we, we put a little humor to work, but also try to highlight that this is a fantastic place to be and live. So once we get your attention, then we talk about all the awesome things and opportunities inside the companies. Okay. So you're getting people to lean in from that. Are people engaging with you because of that? The, the social works really well. I do a bunch of bylines and talk a lot about kind of our strategic uh, focus and the problems that we're trying to solve. That gets a lot of attention from folks. Additionally, we do a lot of um, outreach and and, and we go to events, but very selectively because we just don't have the manpower to go to every single event. Um, So there was a golf tournament, for example, on Friday last week that was done by, I'm an Overture and Yahoo alumnus. And so uh, so it was done by some of the alum over in Palos Verdes. And so huge 
huge group of technical folks, mostly CTO folks, that came to this golf tournament last week. And we went there and did a little activation and wanted to talk about the company. So we're very selective about how we do it because scale is really important. Social gives us scale. Doing things in person is harder, but we'll selectively pick things and participate in those things to the extent that we can. So how are you letting people know about your culture? Uh, you mean in person or you mean over the... Just if I'm interested in working for you guys, how do I find out about your culture? Like, What is the messaging that it, you're getting across? If you look at our social feed, the website and others, it's very clear. I, to me, sure. everybody, that's one of the number one things, comments that I get is like, we love following you, you guys on social because we get a sense that you have an awesome culture. And what comes across is... We do cool things, build amazing businesses, solve big problems, and then we have a lot of fun. And in every post, you'll see something about one of those uh, characteristics. All right. What about the icky stuff? What's the icky stuff? The icky stuff is the things that happen when nobody's looking, how people act. Yeah. So some companies, they have this persona that their culture is so amazing. Yeah. But then you get into it and you start working there. You're like, oh, my God, this place is a shit show. Yeah. Maybe you guys do a great job of keeping everybody elevated. I don't know. But there's always like some sort of... So, so where uh, well, we have icky stuff, as you put it, <laughs> as you put it. Um, it it's not I was on, trying to be nice. It's not on culture. So let me talk yeah. about this in two two steps. So sure. number one, on the culture side, I have had folks who come here and they'll come after three or six months to come to me and say, you know what? There's actually no jerks inside the four walls of this business. It's so amazing. So you've done a great job of and, screening that. And out. I feel I feel like I feel like that's really the case. And like I said, the organism rejects what's not like the other, and that happens. Where we have icky stuff is, um, you got to remember, you know, in our business, we are building many, many, many uh, startups. And those startups are solving many, many difficult problems. And the icky stuff for us is always iterating on and figuring out how to solve those problems without going insane, right? Because everybody's hair is on fire because we're constantly trying to figure out how to solve different things that and grow the business. I know. I can see. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, I had hair two weeks ago. <laughs> so lots of icky head, stuff. Yeah. So that's where our focus is a lot of times. I think on the culture side, we figured out, you know, we're not perfect by any means, but we figured out a good cadence on that. The A lot of focus is always spent for us on execution because we've got these ideas that we want to take to market or we, these problems we want to solve and we spend all of our time really focused on that that's the icky stuff for us that's good icky stuff yeah it is i mean it's, is. that's a much better icky stuff than you know some of the other companies that you see where like just there's so much turmoil politics and just yeah. that's the icky stuff i'm talking they're, about they're honestly like that's something and i think maybe I, i'll take some credit for that that comes from the top is i don't i don't like politics um i've been in many many organizations where people are doing things behind the scenes i, I hate that i'm very blunt i want everybody else to be blunt uh i don't want Feelings hurt, so I'm sensitive a bit to that, but I also just want to execute. And so I think everybody kind of fall, follows that same course. And and so I think as a result, that makes us a bit more efficient. Well, the culture is a direct mirror of you, of the leadership. So if, if that's you, then hey. Well, me and the, and, the, and the rest of the leaders, I won't take all the credit <laughs> for that. Well, it comes from the top down, right? Yeah. So you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, for our podcast listeners. Um, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Find out how healing career wounds attracts amazing people to your company. Sign up for our free webinar at stride, S-T-R-I-D-E, search.com. Today, our guest is Andre Berengian. He is the co-founder and CEO of C Digital Labs. And we're talking about his hiring journey and how he builds companies uh, based on culture first and uh, skill second. Let's dig into a little bit about what you guys do uniquely in the interview process. What were some of the mistakes you made in the beginning? How did you correct them? And then go into your journey of what sure. you do now. So I think it's very common to say I'm hiring an engineer. So let the engineering group uh, do the interview and talk to them and give a thumbs up. 
I'm hiring a marketer, I'm going to do that, a product person, et cetera. And so what we realized with that, again, is, as I was saying earlier, is that it really assumes a siloed environment, and that's just not what the case is. It's not a siloed environment. It's something that almost everyone has to work cross-functionally across the organization and then within their into, their own organization. So if you think about building companies, which is what we do, a company isn't just built by engineers. It's also built by marketers and product people and finance people and accounting people. And you see how that goes, yeah, right? So, so what we realize is that we're, we're not hiring a person. We're hiring a team member, and that team member needs to be part of a team. And that means the team needs to look and say, okay, this this person will fit as part of what we're doing. Now, skills, 100%, we look at uh, hard skills to make sure that they're actually able to do what they do. So we have a test that the engineers do and the UX folks do, a use case and so on. But aside from that, what we do is um, we try to bring folks in to talk to folks cross-functionally, and then we try to time permitting, just see see how they behave in a more casual environment. So we'll bring folks in to meet with folks casually during lunches. When we bring in lunches uh, into the office, we'll have people come in and, hey, bring them in on Monday. They're going to have lunch with us and just see how it goes. And then we'll invite everybody uh, to just come and talk to them. And then we'll get feedback from folks. Well, how, how did that go? And you know, getting folks in a non-interview environment is better than an interview environment because people are tense and maybe they talk from a script. And what we want to do is not have them do that and just be themselves. You're actually putting people in a comfort zone where they're yes. not completely nervous yes. and going to blow it. Yes. So you're getting a, a truer vision of who that person is. 100%. We, yeah. we, have, uh, we do a lot of team building activities. Like we're doing one this week. Um, we'll do things like where are we going? bowling or uh, <laughs> K, uh, kart racing. You know, We took the company to Catalina once to do uh, some, some, some uh, activities there and so on. And so what we'll do is if we have hires that are about to start, we'll actually bring them as part of that. And so then they're just part of the team. And so they get to come bowling with us to go to these activities. And then everybody's just kind of assessing to see, you know, how does this person behave? And I'm sure they're assessing us as well, which is good. It's not just a one-way thing. They have to also assess if they want to work with us or be with us. Where are you guys going on Friday? Bowling. Bowling? Yeah. Because Paul's a big bowler. Paul's our uh, producer of the radio. I mean, our Paul, you should come with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing at 2 (laughs) o'clock? I can't get shoes to fit me, which is kind of a bummer. (laughs) I don't look good in clown shoes for some reason. I'm not a good bowler, but uh, I try. (laughs) Yeah. Walk me through what an interview looks like. So I would imagine you reach out to somebody, you do a phone screen. Mm -hmm. You invite them in to come in for an interview. Like how many steps is in the interview process? Okay. So steps... High level, some of them, you know, we tweak a little bit here and yeah. there, but by high level, um, we've got a recruiting team that, well, there's two, two ways that people come to us. Believe it or not, I get a large amount of inbound through social, Referrals. LinkedIn. People are like, hey, I just saw your company and I, I put them in touch with our, our, our recruiting team. The recruiting team also does what they need to do, which is they recruit. They go to ac- events and activities, but also leverage uh, technology and social to reach out to folks. So then from there, we build a funnel. Well, what's and, the percentage of people that are maybe coming through referrals as well? Are you guys um, that? I would say. Okay, so off the top of my head, I would say of the people in the funnel, I'd say probably a quarter of them come from referrals. Um, people already known to people within the area. Yeah, either known, friends, people that like, hey, you know, the number one way that it comes is I keep seeing your stuff on social. You guys keep posting stuff. You you had another press release about something. You had some other, you know, f- one of your companies got funding. And so then people reach because they read that and they reach in and say, excuse me, how how uh, how can I be part of that? And well, that's, what, that's how I reached out to you guys. Kept seeing you post all over yeah. the place. I'm like, oh, yeah. this looks like a cool company. I need to get you on the yeah. on the show. Yeah. And, and that, so. that's the thing is for us is just storytelling. So once we have that, then uh, the recruiters reach out and talk to 
to folks and um, and then we build a funnel. And from there, what we try to do really quickly is take that funnel, phone screen everybody, and just make sure that there's some level of fit. Because you can't 100% tell even skill set or anything from just a LinkedIn profile, right? You could tell, okay, they've been at this company, have this title, but not really sure what that means. What are you looking for in that phone conversation? In the phone conversation, it's a, it's a quick conversation to figure out high level. Is there... Uh, a fit on skill set and also on the cultural side, right? Okay. So where are you coming from? Are you coming from a really big, organized, established business? Do you have startup experience? Do you have growth experience where a company goes from small to big really quickly? Whatever we're screening for at the time. So we're trying to understand really quickly, is there some type of start of a match? If there is, then we can say, okay, this goes in the yes pile. And if there isn't, we say, you know, sorry, there wasn't a fit, move on. So everybody who submits a resume, they're getting a call from your recruiter? Either a call or... a uh, some some of the stuff you can just look at and say, yeah. okay, well, you know, you have let's say pretend you have real estate experience. I, I don't do anything in that space, so <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So we'll, but everybody, that's one of actually comments that we've gotten many, many, many times is that you guys actually respond to everything. And the team, it may take them a little while because they're busy, but they will respond to everything and they will close. That's the loop. really important. They will close the loop. But that yeah. that right there is really important. Yes. Close the loop with everybody. Yes. Everybody. Yes. yes. And, and and when we look at it and say, look, I want, if I'm on the other side, I would want to know, hey, did you even look at my stuff or exactly. do you care? And so every inbound that I get that makes sense, I mean, sometimes they get marketing and sales, but anything that makes sense, I always send to the recruiters. The recruiters always put in the funnel and they follow up. And by the way, that's the biggest way to not get bad Glassdoor reviews. Yeah, this is true. The biggest complaint on Glassdoor is, yeah, I sent in my resume nine weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't heard anything. Haven't heard. Yeah. And, and, nothing. And it's actually, we've gotten emails from candidates that said, wow, you know, I understand I didn't get the job. That's fine. I can't believe that you ran through the entire process and then returned with, here's what's going on. Sorry, it wasn't a fit. We're going to keep you in our database and actually closing the loop. It's a really big plus for folks because they, they have finality, right? They know yeah, what's going on exactly. versus being in limbo. It, it's like, if you don't do it, it's worse than actually breaking up with a post-it note. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or like a text. Exactly. Breaking up with you, thanks. I just yeah. move all my stuff out. Exactly. At least you're getting closure there, right? Exactly. And that's that's the goal. The goal is to just uh, you know sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Just because it doesn't, you know, we still treat people the right way. Okay. Um. So we go through that screen, and in that screen, we're looking for you know the semblance, the starts of culture, technical fit, um, and just background. You know, so you were at this company and that company. What does that mean? What did you actually do? Did you manage people? Did you not? You know, just trying to get a sense because we might be looking for a senior person that's managed people. Maybe we're looking for a team member who hasn't managed people, but sometimes it's not clear, you know, what we see online. And is then, it clear to you guys what you're looking for every time? Because um, I, I find there's where there's the a, like, a big gray area with a lot of companies is that, okay, I know I need somebody to come in, kind of do this work. I'll know what the right candidate looks like when I see yeah. it. It's uh, harder to do it that you, way, though. <laughs> you, you can't. Well, you can't accurately yeah. find the right person, no, right? Correct. What it's we, a moving target. What we do, correct. What we do is we try to um, start out with a job description, which is here's here's the thing that we're looking for. We put it out there, and then we'll iterate on that depending on what we see in the market. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, maybe two years ago, we were looking for a product person or product people and UX people, and then we said, well, what if we put those two together and get a product designer, which really should do both product and UX. And so we started doing that. But here's what happened. When we did that, we looked at our funnel and the funnel for product is big. The funnel for UX is big. The minute you put the two together, the funnel shrinks to just about nothing. Not because people don't have thing. that skill. No, but but it, it, it is and it isn't because also then you have your ratios of how many you need in the funnel to get one out the bo bottom of the funnel. I will so, talk about that because yeah. you don't need as many to get in the funnel in order for you to get out. 
you know, just teach me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take a targeted approach. I go after 10 first and then expand out that way. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. We, 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 we do the same after we uh, filter, but um, yeah. sometimes there's, you know, nuances in what we do. In, in the example I was giving with the, um, with the product designer, so, so we looked at this, we looked at that, and then we looked at the product designer and realized there's far less of them. And we researched and found and, you know, kind of did the interview process and so on. And we found folks. But what we realized is that it wasn't that there weren't product designers out there. It's that people didn't classify themselves that way and they didn't talk about themselves that way. Because so, they try to specialize, right? They, yeah. They, well, in their yeah. mind, I'm just a product guy. Well, no, you know, you also know this other stuff. But in their mind, they identify with one or the other. And so it was really hard for us because we had this grandiose thing of we're going to go after a product designer does both things in one. It's amazing. And then realize that maybe we have to expand our search anyway because people aren't self-identifying in the right way. Right. So that was a learning lesson for us. And then we kind of switched our, our, That's a really good learning lesson. our recruiting process. All right. So I've, I've had my phone screen that goes well. Yeah. You move me into the process. Really quickly, what we try to do is you do the phone screen and then really quickly try to get you in the office to meet with folks. So usually you're meeting with a recruiter, somebody on the recruiter, just to kind of give you a sense of what's going on on the recruiting team. And then, um, and then, and then that person is your Sherpa or your shepherd to get you through. Ooh, I love we, the word. Yeah. I love the Sherpa word. <laughs> we, we Sherpa people and then, uh, we get them through. And then, uh, depending on the role, again, if it's, if it's a contributor or a team member versus a senior person, you'll meet with a different number of people. Um, if you're a, a team member, then you'll meet with some folks that would be part of that same team. You would also start meeting with folks that are cross-functional. Are you getting it all done in one day or are you bringing it back a couple of times? We try. Okay. So it also depends on because a, a, a lot of people also you know have jobs and so they can sneak away for a little bit here and a little bit there. But what we try to do as much as possible is to get that done as quickly as possible. Maybe towards the end of the day we go through and meet with a whole bunch of folks, and then um, then we'll try to invite them back for so- the social piece of it, right? So let's go to happy hour, let's go to come to lunch, you know that kind of thing, and just get to know them that way. How many people am I talking? Like you line me up for a day interview. How many people am I meeting with? It depends on the role again, but I'd say somewhere between maybe four and seven. Okay. So not not a lot, but not just one. Is it more conversational or is it more uh, intentional? Uh, so it's conversational, but with intention. So again, if you have a you have a I like a, how a you product <laughs> if you have a product person who has to work with an engineer, they're going to be asking questions related to their interaction. So hey. I got to build this. So how do I know that you're going to actually tell me the right things to build and come up with the right things? Give me some examples. So, so it's, it's with an intention, right? So, but it's conversational, which is, I always start my interviews by saying, tell me your story. So when I say, tell me your story, some people get their resumes out and they start reading that. Some people say, you know, I I like to do off-road dirt biking. I mean, that's the best way to actually get an idea. Like you leave it open-ended. Actually, I say, tell me a little bit about your story starting from your childhood and where you grew up. Because I want to see if they can walk me through yeah. this journey. What ends up happening is people go, well, I grew up in uh, Irvine. I went to college at da-da-da-da. And then they start walking me through right. their resume. Right. Most people, that's their tendency. Yeah. So they immediately pick it up. Okay, let me tell you. So first I did this. Then I did. No, no, no. I want your story. Tell me who you are. I don't know about you as a person. Uh, who are you? Yeah. What's your passions? Because if you tell me that, you know, um, we're, we're going to build uh, some type of, uh, let's say, a game company or something like a gaming business, and you tell me that you have no interest in that, I want I want to know that right away, right? Yeah. I really hate games. Okay, well, then you're probably not the right candidate. Let's go to someone else. But I want to know, because that, that goes to culture. You tell me your story. And I can tell if you're, you know, are you driven or are you not? I can tell you if you're a kind person or not. I can tell that really quickly based on what you tell me. I had a friend who is a CTO at a company, and he had this uh, experience where he brought this guy in. He thought the guy was really good, but he was a terrible interviewer. And then he finally got him started talking about what he was passionate about. And the guy would brew beer in his bathtub. 
Oh. Like, like he was crazy. Like he had a bathtub. He was brewing beer. I don't know if it was in his bathtub, but I mean, he had, <laughs> he had the equipment in his bathtub and he started getting into it and he was really passionate yeah. about it and he walked me through the details of it. He figured out that this guy knew so much about it that when he got involved or passionate about work, yes. that it would translate. Bingo. And that was a really creative way yeah. in which somebody who would have blown an interview because the guy got nervous. Yeah. Was able to turn it around and take the. I, I think it's a, that's that's an example of the way that we would love an interview to go. Don't just tell me that you were here and you hire, you know, you manage five people. Tell me, tell me more about yourself, and then I can get a sense of, like I said, how committed. If you're passionate about something, are you committed? Are you going to get it done? I mean, who who brews beer themselves? Not that many people, but I'm sure this guy was super super passionate about it. So don't be a robot when you go to interviews. <laughs> no, don't be a robot. Don't worry. you know show your personality. That personality is really important because that allows us, again, we're, we're testing for culture and, and, and technical fit, and that allows us to do both in one conversation. You go in, then you bring them back for the interaction yeah, the, afterwards. Yeah, the social interaction. And then you make a decision it, how it, soon after that. Really quickly, really quickly. What we try to do as much as we can is we try to, and it's hard to do this, but we try to tranche out a, a role and say, can we get, like you were saying earlier, can I get 10 candidates or whatever in there? Because if you have one, that one, it could be the best person that you have or it could be the worst person. You, have no, you don't know. So you need also something to compare to. So we try to bring them in in kind of cohorts and say, okay, for this role, I got 10 people, will down to five or four or whatever it is, and then quickly go through all of them, have the interviews, and then make a decision. That's what we try to do. I'm right there with you. Three to five, and you're good. It's so the first guy is the guy that you get in there that's the right guy. Hire him. Yeah. Don't do comparison shopping. Yeah. All right. Um, give me three key takeaways that you'd like entrepreneurs to, to take away with. Well, I think the one thing that you you said at the start of the show was that um, if you build your organization, your culture, right, the organism will 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 reject what doesn't belong and you'll know really quickly. And we've seen it many times where all of a sudden, like, wow, what's happening? Like nobody wants to, this guy's sitting over there and everybody else is over here. So look for that cultural fit in the interview process and yeah. make sure that, that everybody kind of has that fit. The other thing I would say is I'd say take your time hiring. Uh, hiring is is tough to do. I know everybody is hiring at a time where they probably needed that person six months ago, but take your time hiring. And then if you need to make staffing changes, do it quickly. That's uh, the famous hire slow, hire slow, fire fast. But we've lived it so many times where we have hired too quickly and then that causes an issue. Or if there's a problematic issue going on and we let it linger too long, that's created an issue. And And not just for us. You have to monitor that. 100%. Really closely. 100%. And by the way, not just for us, the person who maybe there's some, some challenges with they also feel it, right? It's not just a one-way thing. And so we've had folks say, you know, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This has been great, but it's obviously not a fit. I'm moving on. And so making that decision quickly is uh, is really important. Um, I I think, uh, trying to think of the third thing to tell you. You know what? Those two are bomb. I'll tell you right there. If somebody gets that down, you're going to do well. Awesome. All right. We're good. So gosh, we're out of time for today's show. Andre, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, I'm sure lots of people are watching this that want to work for you. How do they find you? Uh, LinkedIn. Um, Or if you go to the website, uh, there's a contact form. Just fill that out and someone will contact you. And give us our web address. The web address is cdigital, C-I-E, digital, D-I-G-I-T-A-L.com. Perfect. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks of our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our creative director, Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We are listening and we welcome your feedback. Again, this is two episodes in a row where I haven't cut off the guest (laughs) because I got a lot of complaints about that. (laughs) 
it's tough with a half hour show. You know what I mean? It is. All right. Um, you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher. That's H I R E Power P O W E R Radio R A D I O dot com. And you can drop me an email at Rick at Stride Search to find out more about the Career Wounds workshops and webinars. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Ken Middleton. Ken is the DevOps recruiter. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. You've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio. 